Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Movers podcast brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity price information. My name is Sean Morris and I'm a senior reporter on the Metals Desk here in London covering niobium, tantalum and electronic metals. The topic of today's podcast is niobium. This is a fascinating metal which could have a major role to play in the energy, in the energy transition. About 90% of the world's niobium is consumed by the steel industry as ferroniobium, in particular for steels used in construction. But it also has applications in the automotive industry, shipbuilding, oil and gas, MRI machines, and even in fast charging batteries. Despite the diverse range of applications for this metal, more than 80% of global niobium supply is produced by one Brazilian mining company, CBMM. Joining the podcast today to share some of his insights is Gustavo Macedo. Gustavo has more than 20 years of experience working in the niobium industry and was previously the managing director for CBMM in Europe. Today, he is working with WA1 on their niobium and rare earths project in Western Australia. Gustavo, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Jean. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I'd like to start by talking a little bit about your current work with WA1 and its Looney project. Um, for those who aren't familiar, could you tell us a little bit about the project and how it's developing? Sure. Um, uh, WA1 uh, uh, is established in Western Australia, so it's the first deposit of this kind of uh, magnitude that is coming uh, into knowledge. So this discovery uh, was made not too long ago and uh, is a deposit with, with a very special set of characteristics that make it uh, a world-class deposit. So it has a high concentration of niobium. Uh, the size of the deposit is, is still uh, completely unknown, but uh, the, the drillings that are being made so far are showing that the, the, the numbers are, are really good uh, in terms of the size as well. So it's never going to be the size of CBMM, of course, because the deposit in Arasha is, uh, is really, really big. But the characteristics of the mineral, the, the minerals, and, and and so far what we have learned about what is underground is uh, is really amazing. Amazing. So, because of the importance uh, that niobium has to all these different industries, uh, it's been listed as a critical mineral in the European Union, in the United States, and in Australia. I was wondering what kind of impact that has when you're developing a project like this. Sure. Yeah, the, the, the fact that niobium is listed as a critical raw material in so many places has to do with the supply concentration, right? So it's a economic importance and the supply concentration. So niobium rates high in both. The fact that niobium is, uh, is very concentrated in Brazil is one aspect of concern uh, to many countries because uh, there is a, an, a a feeling of a risk of supply somehow. So the, uh, to have a, a new deposit coming online uh, in a very well-known mining district like Western Australia is something truly unique, uh, not only because of the fact that it's diversifying the supply, but also the quality of this deposit is something truly remarkable that was never, that, that was uh, not seen in the past 50 years. So um, to have a new supplier coming to the market in the next few years out of Brazil can create a lot of uh, 
good things for this uh, market because people that are not willing to take the risk of having one or two single suppliers, they can now have more options and continue to develop new things with Niobe. So Ch China is the largest consumer of ferroniobium globally, uh, especially for its construction steels. Uh, but the Chinese real estate sector is currently facing a significant oversupply crisis and buildings are starting to go unfinished. What impact do you think this crisis could have on ferroniobium demand? Yeah, uh, the, we know that China is producing half of the total steel in the world and uh, naturally it would be uh, probably the biggest user of niobium and any other kinds of of raw materials for the steel industry. Uh, we know that the use, the specific use of niobium in China is not yet at the level of developed countries like uh, Japan in Europe or South Korea. So what we believe that is going to happen is that the quality of the steels being used in, in, uh, in China will continue to, to increase. Uh, the need for better materials is something very clear in the transi transition to a greener economy. So we believe that not only niobium, but other alloying elements, they still have a, a, a good uh, growth to be expected in terms of the market in China. So even if Chinese steel consumption from its construction sector slows down, the use of niobium could continue to increase because it's used to improve the quality of the steel? Yeah, because uh, if you take the, the total quantity of steel uh, being produced in China, only a small fraction of it uses niobium. And this small fraction that uses niobium is the, the high value added uh, part of the steel. So we believe that these grades will continue to be needed and even more considering this transition to the greener economy. So you, you continue to need uh, lighter cars and stronger cars and for construction, you need uh, tall buildings that are uh, that have a lighter weight of the structure, for example, and niobium can bring a very important contribution to that. So the steel industry is the largest consumer of ferroniobium. Um, but we've also seen very strong demand for niobium pentoxide and niobium metal ingots in the second half of this year. Where is this demand coming from, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, of course, fair niobium will continue to be uh, the most profitable and the highest demand uh, for niobium in the foreseeable future. Uh, but it's very clear that uh, there is an increasing demand in specific areas for niobium pentoxide, as you mentioned. Uh, super superconductors, for example, is one of the areas that uh, there is a clear increasing demand uh, for MRI equipments. For example, this application is is really important. It's a it's an alloy of uh, niobium and titanium that uh, used in a very low temperature can create the magnetic field to scan uh, the body, uh, and this is very efficient. Uh, the other application in, our, in, in aerospace is also increasing, not only for aircraft turbines, which is the main application, but also uh, in, with, with very uh, sophisticated alloys that are being used uh, for, for, uh, for the launching of satellites, for example. So there are a very wide 
a number of applications nowadays that uh, have an important demand for Niobium bentoxide, and this, is, this will continue to grow. There's also a strong interest right now in the development of Niobium battery materials. Um, but I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the costs and benefits of using Niobium-based battery materials. Yep. Yeah, sure. Uh, CBMM, of course, is uh, making a, a big effort to make Niobium as a battery material. I think the, the partnerships that CBMM developed with uh, both Toshiba and Echion are very clear uh, proof of that. Uh, the results so far are showing to be uh, very interesting, but uh, there is a very big competition nowadays for new technologies and new materials that can be used in this area. Uh, there's a lot of money being put into these developments. So what seems to be the case right now with current applications is that Niobium will find its niche uh, for certain uh, advantages that it can bring to the battery. Fast charging is one of them, for example, safety. Uh, but the cost is still a limiting factor uh, for this to be widely adopted. So uh, I think there is a, a still there is still there are still some uh, questions to be answered on this uh, in terms of the technology, but it seems to be going uh, in a good direction. So if everything goes right, it it can be, be it can become a, a a real market for niobium in the near future, completely different from from the application in steels with a completely different supply chain and a different dynamic, but uh, for sure is a, is a very interesting application. So one of the biggest benefits is uh, that it can improve the fast charging and safety, but there's a, a limit set based on the cost. Sure, yes, I think, I think right now the comparing to other technologies and comparing to what is available right now, there's there's this cost gap that is a, a problem uh, in some applications. But for premium cars, for example, uh, this is usually not an issue. So uh, for premium cars, companies are willing to pay a little bit more if the technology is proven to be better. So I think that's why I was mentioning that Niobium will find its its niche, its niche for sure. Uh, but uh, it's it's not very easy to say how long it will take for this to happen and how much uh, this market will represent in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting times for Niobium. Mm -hmm. um, well, thank you very much for joining me today, Gustavo. It's been really lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much. And for more episodes of the Metal Movers podcast and for more news and analysis, please visit argusmedia.com. <laughs> <laughs>